And now, The Ropes. Welcome into The Ropes. Mayweather Pacquiao reaction. I'm ESPN.com's Brian Campbell. I'm in Bristol, Connecticut, one day removed from being in Las Vegas for the fight. With me is my co-host, Rafe Bartholomew of Grantland, who is still in the Philippines recovering from what was a, probably an epic experience for him. Rafe, how can you even sum up the fight of the century? One word. Anyare, meaning what happened, man? What happened? Uh, we, we kind of saw what happened. It's not actually that much of a mystery, but emotionally, that's sort of the feeling for the crowd. The, I, I watched the fight in a big free public screening in Metro Manila, about a thousand people packed into a high school basketball court. Uh, and uh, everyone, it was, a, it was a disappointing experience for them. Uh, all An interesting fight, uh, but uh, we'll talk about it more as we go on. Absolutely. We're going to give you the full reaction here from a fight that, you know, dubbed as the fight of the century. Clearly didn't live up to that from an entertainment standpoint, but I think some of the the reaction is a little bit overboard because we did get the clarification from what we wanted coming in, which was essentially who was the fighter of this era and a fight that we waited so long to get clear, definitive uh, decision in that regard. No, no corruption like boxing will often give you, but we're going to recap Mayweather Pacquiao. We're going to also preview next Saturday's Canelo Alvarez, James Kirkland fight in Houston at Minute Maid Park. Park, which probably will bring you a lot more action than we did happen to see last Saturday. Uh, Rafe, this fight uh, played out in the end, although you and I both picked Pacquiao, it played out a lot like we thought it could have with Floyd Mayweather taking the clear unanimous decision. Uh, no worry about the judges in this case. Handle himself outside of uh, Skip Bayless and maybe Evander Holyfield. No one's really complaining about uh, about the decision here. Or, may- or maybe you know the millions that watched it with you in the Philippines uh, – Let's talk about that. What was the reaction overseas to, to this fight? Well, actually, man, it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've been following, you know, the, the Floyd and Manny story over the years uh, from a Philippine point of view as well as a U.S. point of view. And to sort of the average uh, Filipino fan who's not sort of not going out of his way to, to read as much about the fight as, as sort of your, the boxing heads are, the the story of of Floyd and Manny is a lot more simple than uh, than it probably is in reality. The, the, the fans out here basically think that Floyd has been running from Manny for the past five years, and when they watched the fight on Sunday, it was Sunday morning here, Saturday morning in the states, uh, Saturday night in the states. When when they watched the fight here, when all of Floyd's sort of brilliant defensive maneuvering. Was was eliciting a lot of laughter from the crowd that I was in because they were just sort of thought it was funny that this this you know this great fighter was running away from from Manny because they thought he was afraid of him. Now, uh, obviously, the the judges didn't see it that way, and I think the judges were correct. But here, uh, actually, people are pretty upset. There are a lot of memes going around uh, Filipino Twitter uh, of of you know, Floyd hugging people, Barney memes, uh, uh, asking for hugs uh, about Floyd's clinching in the fight. So the, uh, although I agree uh, that the decision was a pretty clear one in this fight, uh, on this side of the ocean, it's, it's a little more controversial. 
Right. And on this side, uh, the reaction was very negative from the casual side. I mean, I was inundated with text, emails, Facebook messages from people. You know, you heard a lot of the, uh, well, if this is boxing's best, then, you know, boxing must surely still be dead. Look, the the outrage is this. The outrage is that you paid $99.99, which is exorbitant for for a fight. There's no question about that. You know, there's a whole other argument whether, you know, anything should cost $99.99. Let's be honest about that. But look... this is what you paid for. You paid for a chance to see the guy that we all felt who probably had the best chance of dethroning the guy in Floyd Mayweather, who's been been the king of this sport for a long time. You paid for the opportunity to, to see Pacquiao go in there and see if he could be the guy that could make Mayweather, the defensive fighter, have to fight really for the first time, have to do things that he wasn't used to. You know, in the end, Pacquiao couldn't get it done. I mean, uh, in a big way, outside of the, the success he had in the first six rounds. And when you really want to talk about where this fight was won and lost it was won and lost in the adjustments and that's a big part that you and i had talked about coming in you know mayweather made his patented adjustment pacquiao had nothing left at that point nothing it had no way of of alternating his script his plan writing a, a, a different uh, part of the script i mean it was the same thing the same straight ahead come forward with the left hand when floyd took away that left hand manny had nothing left and that was where the fight was won and lost i get the outrage of not being entertained on a 99.99 level but this is Floyd Mayweather. This is who he is. This is his, his history. I mean, this is like, you know, going to Game 7 of the World Series and seeing seeing a, a Greg Maddox spin a two-hit shutout. What, are you going to complain that he wasn't throwing fastballs? I, I just, there was a little bit of a disconnect there. I, I, look, I get the price, but I don't necessarily get the outrage. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. I mean, I, I don't care if Andrew Kendrick, and Anna Kendrick enjoyed the fight or whoever, what other, or whoever else was tweeting about it. You know, it's, it, I, people, it was a pretty big event. It felt like a big event uh, across the world. It felt like a big event. Uh, and I bet there are a lot of people who don't feel the need to sort of make some huge statement on, you know, to where there are 50 or there are 5 million followers on Twitter about it that just watched the fight and were impressed by Floyd Mayweather's performance just in, in, in because it was another one of his, you know, his clinics and that there's real beauty and, and just grace and a lot of, a lot to admire in the way Floyd works in the ring. And, and I think that anyone who, who likes sports and athleticism and, and precision and all those things, it's, it's very, very recognizable to the naked eye. And yeah, he's not going to go in there and let anyone spark a brawl with him. Uh, we've said if, if Pacquiao couldn't catch up to him and, and, you know, initiate some action, then maybe, you know, maybe perhaps no one in the division can, at least before he retires. Um, but, you know, I, it was, it, I, I found it an interesting fight, a very tense fight, one in which Manny, even though he found ways to keep coming, keep trying to pressure. And even when they weren't successful, he kept himself in it certain ways uh, to, to at least not, Give up, and it was also just fascinating to see how Floyd dismantled a fighter as who had been, you know, who had never looked like that, I don't know, like since in the last fifteen years. You know, I mean, that's you've never seen Manny Pacquiao's offense get just shut down like that. Absolutely, Rafe. Look, I'd said in my in my post fight blog the five things we learned from this that. 
Mayweather look, made Manny look like an ordinary fighter in the second half of the fight, and that's a strong statement, but I think it's a true one. And Floyd's the only guy, I think, you know, that would have been able to do that. And you talked about uh, the appreciation of what he was able to do. Look, this was maybe, you know, obviously not an explosive fight, but it was very tactical. It was very tense. And from ringside, it was very entertaining. And I think what sometimes is lost in the difference of watching a fight, being lucky enough to watch it from ringside or, or watching it, you know, from TV or afar, is you can't necessarily appreciate exactly what Mayweather is doing sometimes from the angles, but when you're watching at ringside, you can see how often he does step directly in front of his opponent, directly in the line of fire, and then is still able to, to not only get out of the way, but not only make his opponent look foolish. And there were certain times when I think he he lulled Manny out into the, Manny into the corner, purposely got allowed himself to get cornered just to sort of then make Manny look bad by so easily getting out of it. I mean, it was a, a masterful performance in that way out, out of out of uh, Floyd. There's really nothing I can take away from that regard. And anyone, you know, the the fight narrative afterwards was he ran, he ran, he, he held. Look at the fight stats. I hate being a guy who points to fight stats to try to make arguments, but this just sums it up. You look at the CompuBox numbers. Floyd threw and landed more than Manny. More than 50% of the punches Floyd threw were power punches, and he landed 48% of those, and he held Manny to just 19% landed overall. I mean, Rafe, that says everything. If you're trying to make a defense that Manny, uh, you know, that Floyd was running and that Manny was the guy coming forward, well, Floyd threw more punches, and whoever would have guessed that in the buildup to this? Yeah, just it it was sort of a simple, you know, you could see the interplay between the two fighters, the way that Manny couldn't do what he wanted to do. I mean, and that is, in essence, the, 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 that is the essence of being beaten, right? I mean, in terms, at least in terms of ring generalship. And then, like you say, I mean, uh, Floyd ended up out, out punching him, out landing him, out, you know, sort of beating in all the other little categories, too. It's, it's very hard to, 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 take the fight seriously and find a lot of fault in the way Floyd fought. I do think one thing was interesting about Floyd's clinching. I mean, it was, it was smart, right? I mean, the, he, for most, he would, he kept Manny on the ed, edge of his jab as much as possible. As Manny got inside there and into some punching range before any, any big combination gets, gets let go, let gets, you know, turned loose on him. Floyd just tied him up. Uh, the funny thing about this is like, if you think back one Mayweather fight, when he was fighting Maidana for the second time, he had Kenny Bayless in the ring and was lobby- had lobbied Bayless to break the fighters up faster. Here in the next fight, he's got the same ref, and Floyd ha- ends up clinching more and using the clinching to his advantage. I don't mean this to be like – I'm not like a Kenny Bayless truther that, that, that he's in Floyd's you – know, he loves Floyd or whatever like we were hearing before the fight. I just mean that it's, it's almost like this – Jedi mind trick that he had that, you know, in the one fight after, after Maidana, right, boxing fans were complaining that Kenny Bayless was over-officiating, that he didn't let Maidana work inside. So then in the next fight, if he, maybe there's some unconscious adjustment where the ref is allowing a little more inside work and Floyd ends up taking advantage of that difference in how the fight is being called. And to me, like I said, it's not like some devious thing on Floyd's part. It's not some flaw necessarily on Bayless's part. It's just the way that Floyd can turn any little factor in a fight into an advantage for himself. 
Absolutely. And I don't think it was excessive holding from my point of view. I didn't think it go, went to like Klitschko, Povetkin levels in that regard. I thought Bayless was very quick to break him when there was a hold, so that, that wasn't an issue right there. Look, Floyd was just a better fighter on this night, and I think it, it kind of spelled out that he, you know, he was always a better fighter. Maybe, maybe Manny's explosiveness would have made a fight five years ago more fun, but I think a, a much quicker Floyd back then, you know, probably would have, you probably would have saw the same outcome because Floyd just outthunk him, if that's the way to look at it. And, you know, Manny wasn't the same guy in the second half of the fight. He was starting to look like the same, making the same faces that Guerrero, Canelo, like the other guys before him had made, where you're questioning yourself, where you're questioning, you know, what's the price to pay if I keep pushing forward, questioning all of that. And, Rafe, you know, the outrage is fine by people because, you know, there was so much of a, of a good versus evil narrative built up in this and, and Floyd played the villain in this in this fight build up you know way more than he ever has before before he did that willingly as a way to sell pay-per-views as a way to flaunt money you know this time around it was so much more centered around the domestic violence issues so people coming at it from a hero villain standpoint and hoping just you know Floyd would finally pay for the combination of his arrogance financial gluttony you know violence against women all of that you know Manny was the guy chosen to, to try to perform that act and it didn't happen so if that's why people were upset that's fine and maybe but uh, you know, from a from a boxing critical standpoint, it was just a it was just a masterpiece performance. I mean, Floyd has no peers at 38. He was the guy who, in the buildup, I was questioning he may have been slowing down, may have been you know uh, where age was a factor, and I was more, sort of making statements that Pacquiao at 36 was remarkably holding up so well at age. And I think I left the fight flipping those roles exactly, you know, and that's that's a, a credit completely to Mayweather. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the amazing one of the things that amazed me about it was that the, the, the big factor that I think that I at least in my case, and I, I remember, I think you've said things that are similar to this, that that made us believe Manny had a chance to win this fight or had a good chance to win this fight enough for us to pick him. Right. Was that Floyd Floyd's legs didn't seem like they had, were, had nearly as much juice in them as they well, I shouldn't say juice ever in boxing had as much <laughs> gas in them uh, as they did as they did, you know, earlier in his career, or even a year before against Guerrero and Canelo uh, in last year when he fought Maidana the two times, right? I mean, he let Maidana pin him against the ropes, walk him down a little bit. He just, and it didn't seem like he wanted to get out, you know, use his legs to get away from him as much. Well, here fighting a much faster guy with great footwork, really good foot speed Manny, in Manny, uh, Mayweather just, you know, turned on the, turned on whatever the, the NOS in his legs and, and was, you know, two steps faster than Manny almost every time. Yeah, no question about it. I think it goes back to a lot of, of what Paulie Malinaji said last week on our podcast, which, which proved to be, to be very true. And the fact that, you know, Maidana was physically, it was physically taxing for Floyd to have to get around Maidana, to have to deal with his physical, borderline dirty nature. It, you know, maybe that, that led to seeing a slower, or what appeared to be a slower version than Floyd than we saw against Guerrero and Canelo, where he was flying around the ring, making those guys look foolish. You know, Manny really never established himself on the inside, just had those, those couple bursts you know, fourth and sixth round where, you know, hurt, hurt Floyd in the fourth round, of course, backed him up into the ropes. Mm-hmm. In the sixth round, I don't think he actually hurt Floyd. I think the sixth round was more of a you know, putting out, letting his hands go a lot more of getting the crowd behind him every time it looked like he was even partially landing against Floyd. You saw Floyd constantly shaking his head that round to prove that he really wasn't getting hit. But it really it wasn't a thing where it became physically hard on Floyd to keep Manny away. And I think that's why his legs look so fresh and preserved. And you know a lot of people said, oh, Floyd, you know, this sucked the life out of the fight. This sucked the excitement. 
well, yeah, his style is designed to do that. His style is designed to pull the entertainment out of a fight and to play up to his advantages. But I'm not going to blame Floyd for anything in this spot. And I'm not, you know, not always been on record as a pro-Floyd guy. I mean, I've, I've maybe been as outspoken as anyone criticizing the way that Floyd sort of handpicked his career up to this point, the way he's avoided Pacquiao or the way we've perceived that he has. But you also got to give the guy credit where credit's due. I'm giving him full credit for finally taking this fight, for handling it the way he did. And if I'm going to throw criticism around, Rafe, I'm going to throw it at Manny, not just for the performance, but for the aftermath of the fight. The, the, the sour grapes, the, the almost delusional nature to some of his comments, the fact that he completely lacked urgency in the 11th and 12th round. I mean, are you, you think I'm right on the ball, taking, pushing him too hard? Or do you think I'm right on with that? Uh, you know, I, I mean, the, so I, 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 I feel for Manny. I mean, I understand where he's coming from. If you look at the way he's fought his entire career, he's a guy who likes to exchange punches. He, you know, he, he's not afraid to get hit. I mean, to him, in his, in his ideal of the sport, that is, that's what it's about. It's about sort of two guys testing each other and, and laying some damage on each other and seeing who comes out on top. And obviously that favors Manny more often than it favors his opponents. So it's sort of a self-serving way to view the sport. But to him, I can, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that he would, you know, after the fight, even though, you know, it was pretty clear to, to most people at ringside and, and, and obviously the, the unanimous decision that, that he had lost to turn around and say, I thought I'd won the fight. He didn't, you know, he didn't do anything to me, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the, the, I don't know. It, it's not the first time, I guess, I guess Manny, it wasn't Manny's normal gracious self, but I think that goes to something else here uh, or speaks to something else here, which is that I honestly think that Manny dislikes Floyd Mayweather. Uh, you know, I think like, like if you look at their interaction, if you look at when they went to hug each other or not, you know, congratulate each other and the fight, Manny won't really look him in the eye. Like he just, he has this sort of like repulsion to Floyd for whatever reason. Maybe it's the, the years of back and forth griping. Maybe it's the, the lawsuits. Maybe it's, you know, it, it could be anything. It could be something personal that we don't even know. Um, but I, I really do sense that in this case, you know, he, he may have just, you know, snapped a little and been like, well, I don't need to be gracious to this guy. I don't, I don't like him. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it may not have looked as good. It may not have been Manny, the, the overwhelmingly, uh, you know, great sportsman that we know, but I, I, I didn't really hold it against him. Uh, well, here's it's the getting thing. a little bit harder to defend him now with the, with the sling he was wearing in a press conference earlier today to, uh, talking about sabotage and some of the other things that, that, that have come out since then. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, I don't know. It, you, you, it, it, it's hard to have injury excuses or any excuses in boxing, you know? Well, we, I think we, you know, we, when you have to stay balanced, if, if Floyd had sort of said some of these things after the fight, I think, you know, naturally people would have just, uh, roasted him for it. And, and, uh, and I'll give Manny the grace that, you know, any fighter who just took punches to the head for 12 rounds, if he's going to come out afterwards and say he thought he won the fight, I mean, you know, fine, whatever. You're, you're not going to necessarily hold somebody for the words, but I felt it was a little bit of playing both sides where after the fight, pushing the agenda of, I thought I won, I heard him four times, I thought I won the fight. And then a moment later, really bringing up the, well, my shoulder was injured, the, uh, the Nevada commission you know should have allowed me a needle I, I wasn't myself the shoulder was hurt you know that that just seemed to me like like a contradiction of, of sour grapes and delusion mixed, to, mixed together when i just didn't see an urgency in him and, and that was look i didn't see also seven-time trainer of the year uh freddie roach necessarily offering up any different um 
you know, and change to the to the scenario or change to the game plan that could have got them over the hump because we knew he was going to run up into a wall when when Floyd finally made the adjustment. But I think he just assumed that Manny was going to be able to step on the gas harder, and even if he was not going to be able to adjust outside of his straight come forward overhand left style, that he was at least going to be willing to uh, completely go for broke and sell out due to how important this fight was. And I was left feeling in the last few rounds that we didn't necessarily get the best of Manny, injury or not, age or not, that we didn't necessarily get the the old school sold out Manny in this regard. And that's something I think you, you can somewhat criticize against him, that yes, it was Floyd making him think about it, but we didn't really get the, the best version of him in that case, and, and it just more played into Floyd's hand, hands, and he, he proved what he had tried to prove, that without question he's the best of his era. It's true, but that's what Floyd Mayweather does, right? I mean, it, it seems kind of silly after we have so much proof in fight after fight now that, that you know, Guerrero basically gives up on himself. Canelo basically gives up on himself. Uh, you know, like he, he Floyd does this to so many fighters that it, it's I'm at the point where I, I'm not going to blame. I, I'll, I'll, you know, retroactively stop blaming those other guys he's done it to. And I'll probably hold my my, you know, my harshest judgment against Manny there for not selling out, because I think by the, the last rounds of, the, of a of fight against Mayweather, he only, he just has. He, except for Maidana, who just had, you know, between his physicality and his and his will, held up and, and stayed aggressive. Every, almost everyone else we see, you know, turns into this sort of putty in Floyd's hands. It's kind of it's, it's almost sad to say. I mean, it's, it, I, for for fans of of Manny and his sort of indomitable fighting spirit, his his will, his sort of eagerness to get in the action, and like you say, sell out fight after fight after fight. You know, I mean, to see. The same, say, see the same kind of thing happen to him was was kind of tough to stomach, but that's 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 the sport, and Mayweather deserves credit for pulling it off. For, for, absolutely, you know, and you and I both we predicted that Manny would win. We both sort of had a foundation of three to four things, maybe that we thought coming in he would be able to do that would at least keep him in the fight and give him a chance late. And, and you know, when we look back at some of those things, I mean, I thought hand speed and foot speed out of Pacquiao was going to be a major issue, especially in the beginning of the fight. And this is really where you got to completely just say, hey, Floyd, you know, he, you, you did good. You, you completely, I mean, the, the speed was not an issue. I thought the best thing Floyd did was the first two rounds come out and leave absolutely no doubt. He stood very close to Pacquiao. He wasn't backpedaling, and he was countering with right hands, using that right that, that reach advantage anytime Man, Manny got close. And that set the stage that this isn't going to be the Floyd who's going to study you for three or four rounds and give you an advantage early or give you any momentum. He, I thought he, by doing that, he cut Manny's chance at any form of momentum right off the start and proved how accurate he was and probably proved to a certain degree that there's some pop on his punches, that there's going to be a price to be paid for Manny trying to close that distance. Absolutely. I mean, the first couple rounds were, I mean, that's the, Manny had almost, I think the, one of the reasons perhaps Manny wasn't able to sell out later in the fight is I think he had to start selling out in the third round. I mean, he looked bad, bad in the first two rounds. I mean, he, he was, it, it was not, Positive, what was happening in that? I mean, he just had no answers, um, and the the the, the adjustment wasn't really an adjustment like we sort of when we sort of predicted this last week. It was really just a doubling down. Like, all right, I'm going to bite down a little harder and just ramp the pressure and and let my hands go a little bit more. And, and we saw that in the third round, and and, and we saw it again before. You know, sort of through the middle rounds when 
the pressure and, and the activity probably allowed him to stay in the fight there. But even, but it was it was a sloppy way of staying in the fight, except for the, the sort True. of exciting moment in the fourth where he, he countered that, that, that jab and, and caught Floyd with the left and knocked him back into the roll. You know, I mean, it's, it's Floyd Mayweather. You know, I, I almost wonder if uh, if we're judging Manny more harshly because we had higher expectations for him. If we look back at the sort of record of Floyd Mayweather opponents, Manny is sort of, I don't know, I would, what percentile would I put? Maybe, you know, 66, 70 percentile in, in Mayweather opponents. He won some rounds. Uh, he didn't win them uh, spectacularly, but he, he won them through effort. He landed some punch. He probably landed the best punch on Floyd since uh, since Mosley did t- five years ago, unless you want to count the one after the belt from Maidana yes, last year. Yes, I'll count that. Yes. Um, you know, but anyway, I, it seems like we – thought Manny would look different against Floyd. We thought Manny would no push Floyd to, to, to another level that we hadn't seen, and he couldn't. Uh, and and I think maybe we are judging him a little more harshly uh, than than is necessary, given the the fact that, you know, he just ran up against a guy who he could, a, a puzzle who that his aggression couldn't solve. Well, but he had no plan. He had no plan B or C, which you're obviously going to have to, if unless your plan A is just so, you know, powerful and aggressive. Which we thought maybe Pacquiao's might have been off the start. There was potential for that. Like Maidana stayed in that first fight because his plan A was just so, you know, an explosive to have to deal with. Mandy didn't have a plan B or C in this, and it felt like, you know, for any question that we had, Mayweather had the answer. And when Pacquiao had a little bit of that success between the fourth and sixth rounds, I thought the best thing Mayweather did to sort of handle that was he didn't slip down into that into that shoulder rolling pot shotting style. He he really stood up much more as a as a technical orthodox boxer and, and established that jab and as we know in boxing it's not easy to for an orthodox fighter to establish that jab against a southpaw but that jab did two really important things it slowed down anytime it basically created a detour anytime manny had a momentum where he was coming forward with those bursts of energy and it allowed mayweather to just sort of reset himself to sort of get himself to recreate his own rhythm anytime i saw him do that maybe basically through rounds four through seven and it really allowed him to to sort of control the pace of the fight and then with that he started controlling distance and he really stood behind that length advantage and then I got to give Mayweather credit in this regard those last two to three rounds uh, he wasn't running he was standing and putting more power on his shots than he had at any point earlier in the fight there was almost a nastiness in his face at times as he was really planting his feet and coming forward with those hard right hands and like we sort of alluded to before that more than anything I think gave Manny pause we didn't see adjustments we didn't see that mental tough toughness we might have thought and you know there's 26 ways you can look at it but in the end it's going to be the same thing Floyd is the better fighter of this fight and of his era. All credit to him. But, Rafe, let's dip back in for a second into sort of the whole experience because the fight buildup in itself before that opening bell was something we really haven't seen. I mean, it was it was boxing almost at its best with the, with the pageantry. I want to hear first your experience of just, uh, you know, outside even those 12 rounds, what it was like in the Philippines, what it was like entering that arena with that much anticipation. What was your whole experience? How did that play out? Sure. Well, I mean, there were more ways to watch this fight i think than than i mean we could even imagine i mean you, you could people were buying tickets to watch it in imax just about every other movie theater in the country was going to be broadcasting it there were giant there was a 50,000 seat arena on the outskirts of manila that was going to be showing it on its uh, led screens that people were going to there were hotel buffet packages half the restaurants on the street i'm staying on had you know special deals for the fight 
the government sponsored politicians sponsored free viewings for all the people who wouldn't who couldn't afford some uh, a home pay-per-view or a movie theater or a, or a bar type situation yeah and that was one of the places where i ended up going to to watch the fight uh and it was you know i mean it was cool i mean you got to see basically an entire neighborhood you know put down whatever they were doing uh and fill up this gym and and just go crazy for for manny for 12 rounds uh and you know it was it was uh it was i mean just the way that they cheered you know pretty much anything he did and, and i think they definitely they wouldn't agree with our uh, our take on how the fight played out but um you know, just uh, it, it was probably felt like being part of something momentous and, and um, un, at least unfortunately for this crowd, uh, the, eventually pretty disappointing. Absolutely. Uh, at least, uh, you know, on my end in Vegas, I mean, it was just uh, absolutely intense, almost to the point of being overwhelming <laughs> at various points there. I'll say, that, you know, the good thing was that, I mean, Vegas was packed and, and this fight was on the tip of everyone's tongue. There, there was a point where you literally couldn't walk by a group of people who weren't talking about the fight. Even if I was stopped by people walking through the MGM saying, hey, you know where I can purchase uh, some Meriwether T-shirts, which is uh, something that absolutely did happen. But, uh, you know, I mean, GP, it was just on the tip of everyone's uh, mind. The fight was really, I thought, got tr- exceptional play, especially from you know, from ESPN Sports Center had four different sets set up around the city. It was really intense from that regard. But the actual fight night itself, and believe me, the, the population almost felt like in Vegas on the strip that it like doubled or tripled come Friday. I mean, it was a, it was almost even hairy trying to get into the MGM Grand into the huh. way, and the crowd push and rush was just almost out of control. You felt like security was going to lose control. But they did an exceptional night on fight night. And just being in that arena and feeling that buzz, you know, it, it overwhelmed any form. I mean, we're, you know, as boxing fans, we can be the most, you know, pessimistic people. Uh, boxing fans hate everything. If, if anyone was lucky enough to be in this arena, the last, say, 45 minutes leading up to the opening bell was really unlike anything I have ever experienced. Just the, the collection. I mean, the celebrity factor was just off the charts from seeing Vern Troyer, you know, a mini me from the Austin power series, pull up in his little, uh, little rascal machine, go up to the concession stand and, and uh, purchase a, a mini version of the WBC belt and put that over his shoulder nice. as he's driving around. I mean, that around running into, uh, you know, MJ, uh, magic, uh, Denzel in the sweatsuit. I mean, everybody was there. But that last stretch where they were delaying the start of the broadcast because, as was which was widely reported in the states, the paper, buying the pay per view became a headache because it was such a crush of last minute people trying to purchase it. The pay per view systems were down, so they were delaying essentially the start of the main event to give everybody a chance to sort of have a chance at buying the fight. And believe me, it's not like the, the undercard. Uh, you know, you miss much if you didn't get a chance to see that. But that last stretch of about 45 minutes, the anticipation was just swelling. I mean, if, if, if that you could put that in a bottle and sell it on the black market, Rafe, I mean, I think we'd all be we, we'd all be in good shape here. But that was like boxing as good as it can be. You know, and while it's, it's a shame that the, the fight didn't live up to that, that we weren't able to sort of come out of this saying this fight is sort of a gift for boxing. You know, the, the, we unwrapped it. The gift wasn't what people necessarily thought or wanted. But that build up to get there was a memorable experience that I'll never forget. And it was it was really something special to see the fight really toasted on that level i i mean i i don't even know what to say it was a it was a pretty the whole i don't even think that the fight was it was a letdown i guess i guess the people have already spoken and it was but you know it it we got to see a great performance and like you said at the very beginning of the show it answered really the question that 
has hung over boxing for five years now. And it's just who's the best in the sport? You know, and we caught you know, Mayweather had the title. He, he he was voted. You know, he was at the top of people's list. But now he's pretty much has shown it. Uh, he, this is his biggest win, and this is a this is that's that's a, a major thing that that we got to witness on the biggest possible stage with a crazy buildup. You know. With with Jimmy Kimmel clowning Justin Bieber, I mean, <laughs> there's enough good stuff going on, and and to for Floyd to sort of cap it off with, you know, what for him is 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 a masterpiece, and and it, you know, if people don't like it, then you know they don't have to like it. But it was it was a legit great performance for him, and and you can't really ask for an athlete to do more than than fight his best. And credit to the three judges for getting it right. I, I, what I'm most happy about is that this doesn't, you know, this may have been not as entertaining or, or maybe didn't give you your money's worth, but it wasn't a, a corrupt, bad ending that we often get in boxing. Boxing doesn't get a black eye from this fight. You know, this wasn't a, a Tim Bradley, Manny Pacquiao one sort of decision that you're just like, oh man, boxing can't stop kicking itself in the stomach. This was a, a clean, clear cut decision. I thought the event was handled well, even with the ridiculousness of, of the mixed marriage of, of both uh, promoters coming together and, and, <laughs> and, and all the enemies involved and all the controversy that came with it. And, and you know, even down to the, the credentialing was a nightmare for some. But in the end, this wasn't a, a corrupt stoppage. This wasn't anything like that. So, Rafe, let me poise. The, let me let me turn this question on you. What does this fight do for boxing in the short term moving forward? All right. Well, before before we get to that, you, you reminded me of one thing I wanted to mention, which is that, and this is the thing that is annoying me about the the aftermath of the fight, and that's how everyone who has an axe to grind or had an axe to grind in the boxing business or was you know, for some reason or another, extremely pro or anti Mayweather or Pacquiao, uh, anyone anyone with an agenda has now used the re- the result of this fight to base as like the, the the trump card in their proxy war against whoever. You know, you got Alex Ariza being like, oh, it wasn't Manny's fault, it was his incompetent corner. You know, I mean, Alex Ariza's been kicked out of how many corners now? You got Paulie, our, our great guest, Malinaji, you know, going on Twitter and popping off about like, oh, Manny's a joke. That was, you know, that he was pitiful. La, 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 la. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Floyd won. Floyd beat him soundly and, and Paulie was right all along uh, about a lot of how he would do it but that does not mean that you know like it's like Paulie's acting like he won the fight himself you know he picked the fight he picked the right winner he picked the favorite that's who most people would pick um you know and, and you got like Showtime executives you know pumping for Mayweather you know I mean Showtime you know Mayweather is just taking money from Showtime he's not he's not their friend maybe he maybe they maybe he is maybe he's not but the main reason he's their friend is because he's taking money from them all the all the sort of everyone like congratulating themselves because someone else won the fight uh is sort of silly and, and I'm sure it would have happened in, in the other direction uh if, if Manny had won but it, it, the, the sort of proxy war that has followed has, has left a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth, but not not enough to uh, to spoil the the entire event for me. Um, I forgot what I was supposed to talk about already. You were supposed to talk about no, and a fair point by you. You're, you're supposed to talk about sort of what you know what this does for the sport. And to echo your point, you know this has given so many people the their, what they feel is the room to say you know well bo- if boxing wasn't dead before now it is after this type of main event. You know we got into why that's wrong. I felt that this fight missed that window, Rafe. To you know, really push the sport immediately in the short term in a huge direction. But I don't necessarily think it, it killed it. 
You know, I don't think it, it sets boxing back by any means. I think that's so overgrown. What do you think it actually does, though, for the sport? You know, coinciding with the launch of the PBC and all the good pub that boxing's been getting in 2015, what does this do as we now move forward and, and go the rest of the year? Right, man. Well, I mean, I don't know what makes someone a boxing fan. I think a lot of people who who enjoy the sport were introduced to it somehow at an early age. And, and you know, I mean, I, I haven't been a, a diehard boxing guy my entire life but it, I feel like a, a seed was planted early in my life that I appreciated and really liked the sport and then when I began looking at it more closely uh, I, I really sort of fell head over heels for it so I mean but but and I, so part of me thinks that you know I don't know if any even a great fight is going to to make you know make boxing fans out of everyone people either have it in them or they don't and 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 it's one of those things where I don't I, I don't need boxing to be on the same, you know, stage as it was when Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier were fighting each other in the 70s because it's not going to happen. And, and, you know, that's that, you know, life goes on and the sport, I think, is pretty healthy. And, and you mentioned the PBC. That's an interesting experiment that hopefully, even if as a business, it, it doesn't succeed in the in the very long run uh, and maybe it will. But, but in the meantime, it could do a lot to make boxing more popular and, and just increase awareness of the sport. And, and an event this size is does that. Even, even most of the people who are saying that, that this was a boring fight that killed boxing, they didn't like boxing to begin with. And, they were, and no matter what happened in this fight, they weren't going to become fans. There probably are several other people, lot, thousands, maybe you know, like many thousands of people who watched this fight who weren't that into boxing – were kind of interested in it, thought that and noticed something in Floyd in, in the way Floyd fought, and 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 might be curious to see the sport again. So I think any any exposure on this stage is good for the sport. And like you said, there was no scandal, there was no uh, there was no nothing embarrassing about it. I mean, except for I guess you know to, to many people the overall moral bankruptcy for uh, of the whole thing. But I mean, I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, ethical quandaries to be found in sports and all over life uh and right. I mean, uh, you know you can, you can be a boxing fan if you want to maybe this maybe the the lack of a payout for your money holds somebody back from purchasing a pay-per-view next time but i don't th i think just the fact that this fight was made helps boxing because that was a major part of what was wrong with boxing so the fact that after all those years this fight was actually made and at the time that it was made it was still essentially one versus two when no one really had any any question about that that's all a plus moving forward i think when you got so many eyes on one broadcast so many people like you mentioned that wouldn't watch boxing before that they are well then the next time pbc's on or, or whatever or HBO Boxing's on or whatever, they might be more apt to, to tune in. I think it's going to decide more how the rest of this year is programmed because, you know, we know that Manny and, and Floyd now are, are so much closer to their way out than ever before. It's going to be up to how the next level of guys, the guys like a Canelo, Triple G, even the, you know, the lower guys in, in weight and in exposure, like a Vassal Lomachenko, uh, Felix Verdejo, how quickly those guys can be elevated into high-level platforms in meaningful fights this year. Year, I think it decides a lot more how much boxing can benefit from this event than anything else. It's not going to, you know, make or break anything. But as far as these specific fighters, Rafe, what does this do? It, it, how much does this change the victory for Floyd and the loss to Manny, their specific legacies? 
Well, it's funny. A lot of people said going into this fight that Manny has nothing to lose. He's not, he's, he's not favored in the fight. A lot of people expect him to be outboxed. Uh, he has already he already has a, a great all time resume with his body of work at you know featherweight and super featherweight, and then his historic sort of rise winning winning title belts through the weight classes and all the the huge names and stars he ticked off as as uh, as 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 wins on his on his resume. So a lot of there was that sort of idea that Manny didn't have much to lose in this fight, but. And it could, this could just be a recency effect, but it, it, seeing him struggle that much does change the way, uh, you know, change a little bit of the way that I think about him as a fighter. You know, he, he, I, both of us expected him to be able to do more, to be more effective against Mayweather, and, and that just wasn't there for him. And, you know, maybe there are injury reasons, maybe there are mental reasons, maybe who it could, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's just the way these guys match up. Um, but... To me, I, I think that it does it changes it does change the way I, I see his overall like his overall greatness as a fighter. If his if he was at a greatness greatness level ninety seven, you know maybe he's at a greatness 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 level ninety four now. And Mayweather sort of gets the opposite. He gets the bump. You know, he's, he's a guy who who needed this win, right? He needed to 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 take on. The, the guy people have accused him of, of dodging for years. And, you know, I think that people will always be able to use the, uh, yo, you waited until he'd been knocked out. You waited five years. You waited, you know, that people will use that against Mayweather forever. But, you know, he keeps, when it, he keeps beating whoever's in front of him. And Manny has looked good recently, and he, he certainly did not look good against Floyd Mayweather. And, and at some point, you have to give Mayweather some credit for that. Yeah, I agree with both points. I think Manny does sort of, you know, based on the 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 not strongest of performances, does sort of take a little bit of a step back. You know, nothing that that you know, if you had him all time ranked thirty fifth, that he's now all time ranked eighty fourth. Nothing crazy like that. He already had built up so much of a legacy on what he did in the lower weight classes, what he did in rising up in weight. But he missed a chance, of course, to to elevate himself to an even higher level. I think Floyd was more about defending what he has sort of claimed, not his claim of being TBE the best ever. I don't, you know, this this is this is a great win for him. But I think it did more to fill the hole, you know, the Manny Pacquiao size hole in his resume and legacy than it did necessarily to elevate him, say, into like the top ten. I, I did come out of it, you know, with an even higher respect for him as a fighter, as at, in his standing all time. You're always going to hold him back for how handpicked he was, and that's sort of the price. He pays by being so much about the business side and so much about setting up his own career so so carefully and closely. That's always gonna gonna be something that holds him back from that upper level. As is the fact that you know he's just not an offensive force. He's not a Ray Leonard in that regard. Who's gonna walk guys down and try to get him out of there? But. It, it it solidifies and seals up any doubt we had about Floyd. I think it removes a lot of the criticism, and it's it's just a, you know a gigantic victory. Shortly, quickly here, Rafe. What do you think would they go from here? I mean, Floyd's talking about fighting one more, talking about already that he's going to give up the belts uh, that he has in both divisions. If he has one more, who do you think he'd fight? Who do you want him to fight? Oh, I mean, this was this. I mean, both guys are in this position, kinda, where this was the fight, and and now it's over. And when it was, then there's no, there really isn't. I mean, you can tell that 
the that Manny's camp is pushing for uh, angling a little bit for a rematch with the with the injury talk. No, there was no, no case for it in the way the fight played out, and uh, Floyd will not be under much pressure to to do that again. Um, maybe he'll choose to because it's probably still more money than he'd make uh, fighting some other guys or a lot of his other options. But I I can't I can't think of a person who uh, a fighter who I, I think, man, I would love to see that be Floyd's last fight. I mean, who's the most interesting? Uh, maybe, you know, I, and this is just like a boilerplate answer. You, you throw out Keith Thurman or something uh, uh, because he's young and, and he can punch and he's, he's got some speed. But I, you know, I, 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 I after seeing the way Floyd looked in this fight, uh, I wouldn't, he, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be that, you know, that, Oh, I don't know, that interested in that one. Or I'd be interested in it, but not, you know, I just wouldn't expect that to turn into some kind of huge test for him. That's the I greatest thing. Th- Go ahead. That's now. the greatest thing Floyd did, I think, in this fight, was show you that at 38, man, he's still got it. I mean, he's got it. I mean, I thought, you know, before this fight, I'm going to be honest with you, if this had, instead of Mayweather Pacquiao, if this had been Mayweather Khan, I felt you could have made some cases, some arguments, where maybe, you know, Khan could have won that fight. Now, I come out of this performance saying, if if it ends up being Khan or Keith Thurman for Mayweather in the fall, you know I'd be down for both. I think both are are, are, are good matchups, but I I'm, I'm not making a case for either of those guys to win anymore. You know I mean like you sort of solidified there, whether Floyd fights either of those guys, whether he even goes soft at this point, that's fine with me. He's 38. You know, he's not going to go up and fight Triple G. We know that. If you want to write columns about why he should and why he should dare to be great more, I'm not going to disagree with every point in it because there's still part of me that, that you know, that would say, what would Sugar Ray do? Well, Sugar Ray would, would go up and fight, <laughs> would fight Triple G, even if he shouldn't. But, you know, this isn't tri- this isn't Sugar Ray. This isn't any of the any of the old guys. This is Floyd Mayweather. I think th- he doesn't have anything left to prove if he doesn't want to. So if it ends up being someone, someone even a step down like a Danny Garcia, whatever, that's fine. I just don't necessarily think, Rafe, that we will get just one more from Floyd because whenever he was pushed about the whole Rocky Marciano thing he just sort of gave you a generic answer which kind of told you he wasn't interested after the fight but I just can't see after this this landmark deal with Showtime ended that with a chance to go 50-0 and retire on that round number that he wouldn't want to do a bidding war maybe consider fighting on network TV or something special and huge that would just be outside of the box as a way to sort of walk away on his own terms breaking more records or, or what have you. Yeah, I, I mean, just because he's talking about retirement, you know, I mean, even if he does, re- you know, quote unquote, retire again for some period of time uh, that doesn't go too long, of course, at his age, you know, he's a fighter and, and there's always a chance that he, he could be lured back into the ring. Not obviously because of money, because Lord, does he have a lot of it. But, you know, his pride and his and his competitiveness, I mean, to, to, he, that is something that he has probably in greater supply than all of his cash to, to, to have achieved what he has done over his career. And that sort of, you know, he, he wants to, to prove he's the best in a lot, or I mean, at least uh, on his terms and, and on his time frame. Um, but um, I could see him fighting more fights for sure. And I want, I want to ask you, Brian, if he, if Mayweather did fight uh, GGG, what kind of gloves would he demand the glove can wear? Uh man, you know those uh those gigantic oversized ones that you see at the, at the carnival with the uh with the where you put on the sumo okay. suit and then you put on the giant yeah, uh, definitely not I, horse I think, hair. I think, I think Golovkin would be like contractually mandated to fight in like one of those sumo suits. <laughs> They'd be like, uh, you you have to fight in my ring size of choice, which would be Central Park. You know. Yeah. I mean, bro, come on, come on, bro, cheese. We're not seeing that. Let's let's rotate back to Manny. 
what left does he have to prove? Is it more likely he goes to 140? Uh, you know, what else could you see for him? Well, you know, if, if the injury talk is real, this is a, it's sort of a strange situation where he might be forced to sit out the rest of the year or to even, you know, I mean, if there's a tear, you know, it might be forced to have surgery. You know, you don't want to go. I don't think any athlete, I mean, no athlete ever wants to go under the knife. You especially don't want to do it uh, at, at that late in one's career when you're already 36, going to turn 37 later this year, uh, and and then forced to a lengthy rehab, then getting back in the ring to shake off some rust, having to take a tune-up fight. It, it just, if, if, that, if the injury is as is as bad as it could be, uh, then it could really sort of change the, the whatever is left in, in Manny's career in a way that would be a shame because I think, you know, there are lots of interesting fights left to make with him. Uh, and and fighters, I'd love to – just because you – like anyone, like like you've, we've seen Canelo has come back, bounced back after losing to Mayweather and, and put together some really nice wins uh, – you know, and and is you know fighting this weekend in in a fight that could be very interesting. You know, there, there's a lot left for Manny to do, uh, at, at least in terms of entertaining fights and making money and maybe beating some really good fighters. I, I would put, I would you know, I would not count him out of fights against uh, some of the top guys at 140 pounds or 147 if he were to fight Matisse, say, or uh, if at some point in time uh, they want him to go against Terrence Crawford and, and the idea that he would be passing the mantle on to the younger, right. fresher, better fighter. You know, if, if that doesn't happen when Manny is really old, Manny might win that fight, you know? Um, so I think Manny's you know, there, stay there are cool fights out there. Yeah, I think he's going to stay on and keep fighting. I just think that, you know, with his lifestyle, with the, the need to fund the political career, with how much he's giving away, and just, you know, I, I think we're going to see him for a while. I think 140 is a better situation. I think he's, you know, mixed in. I think his pay-per-view numbers are just never going to be the same. I think we can agree with that. I mean, his numbers were down in the last year when he's facing guys like Rios in Algeria anyway. I mean, down significantly, where you're not, where people aren't going to approach a million dollars just to see him fight anybody. Like you said, there's still tough matchups, you know, the Matisse types eventually going the Crawford way. But I, I think we could see him more in, say, you know, Provodnikov type matches in between to sort of, uh, you know, allow him to keep making money, keep moving moving forward and not be in there against the kind of guys who can expose him like a Mayweather. And, you know, I think Crawford could end up being that guy down the road. But I, I like that more set up in a passing of the torch method, like you mentioned. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is what it is. It's over. We, the fight of the century we got here. We have our answers. And, and uh, you know, it's h- tough to have too many regrets now. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what I regret. <laughs> this is what happened. At our public screening in, in Manila, at satellite feed went out midway through the eighth round, man. And, and we were sitting there, like, about to start a riot. Uh, it was very, very scary. Um, uh, luckily, it came back. Uh, we missed. We actually missed a significant portion of the fight. It came back basically two rounds later. Um, but uh, you know, and it was sort of a pivotal point in the fight. I went back and was able to watch a little bit, um, where you know that's where the the thing, the momentum sort of turned against Manny. You know, I thought he was still in it uh, right at the beginning. You know, after seven rounds, it was still a pretty tight fight, and he hadn't sort of uh, he hadn't he didn't seem like he was out of it yet. And when the then when the picture came out came back, you know there was a different that like the fighter in the ring, Manny just looked different. He had less spirit, and he wasn't going after it the way he was. And it was like, oh man, Floyd must have done something to to uh, to you know put him 
put him right on in the, the spot where he wanted him and keep him there. Yeah, well, I had a, I lost internet for the entire first round from ringside, so I didn't enjoy that that original oh, moment. Man, you that weren't every, able to tweet. Where are your followers? No, I didn't tweet for the entire first round. And you know that moment where they first came together and touched gloves, got the instructions, and then they rang the bell. That the whole power of that moment was completely lost on me as I was sort of uh, you know trying to figure out how how to get relaunched. But you know, if that was the worst thing that happened to me, then <laughs> then it wasn't too bad after all. Absolutely, brother. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up and uh, go to take it away for a minute, and we'll come back with uh, a quick a quick preview of Canelo and James Kirkland, which is happening this weekend in Houston. Well, if anyone was disappointed last week at a lack of action in Mayweather-Pacquiao. I think the fight this week on HBO in, in Houston, Texas, at Minute Maid Park in, in a sort of a, a cool location. We're going to see Canelo Alvarez, the former junior middleweight champion, uh, against rugged brawler Houston native James Kirkland in a fight that, at the very least, no matter what, you're, what you think of it, no matter what you think of either guy coming in, the expectations for entertainment, I, I think, are huge. And, Rafe, you know, we look back at sort of some of the sour grapes tweets from uh, Golden Boy's Oscar De La Hoya during Mayweather Pacquiao, sort of ripping that fight for a lack of excitement and sort of as a way to tease toward the fight he has coming up this Saturday with Canelo Kirkland. Uh what are your expectations just from an entertainment standpoint? Well, you know, my, I, I'm, I have one fear and that's that Kirkland gets blown away. Yeah. You know, which, which obviously is a possibility. He's had a long layoff. He's not, we'll get, we'll talk about this more in a moment. He's not training with his longtime trainer Ann Wolf, who seems to always get the best of, out of him. Uh, and when he hasn't been with her in the past, he has had some very bad results. Um, and, Canelo just might be a, a much better fighter than, than James Kirkland. Uh, so if, if those factors come together in the most, in, in sort of the, the, the best way for Canelo, worst way for Kirkland, then it could be a really quick fight and sort of a, a letdown of what uh, we're hoping otherwise could be, uh, like you said, a, a fight with a lot of action. And, and you know, if, if the, uh, a version of the, the, the beast Kirkland shows up, a guy who could really push Canelo just in terms of his, his will, his strength, his, his relentlessness and, and, and the, the, the way he, he just really has overwhelmed some, some good fighters in the past. So, um, so I'm a little worried about a quick win uh, uh, for Canelo, but uh, hopeful that Kirkland uh, hangs in there and, and makes it into a really, really good fight. Right. I mean, there's there's huge expectations for, for action, all action type of variety here. You know, it's Canelo's first fight in HBO. It's in the Houston Astros ball, you know, baseball stadium. They're going to configure the ring right around second base, so it's going to be a little different than you normally see fights at a baseball stadium. I think it, it's it's really going to be an interesting a- atmosphere. I mean, it's supposed to be a 16-fight undercard. I believe that's starting at 11 a.m. <laughs> Texas time, which is really just uh, just unbelievable. But uh, it, what it really does is this. Not only, I mean, it offers you the potential for, for a brawl, but what it offers you as this is sort of the tune-up fight for Canelo toward the potential fall showdown with middleweight champion Miguel Cotto, who has his own sort of tune-up-ish fight against former titleist Danny Geel in June at, at Madison, or, I'm sorry, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. That is really what's at stake here. So when you when you mix together, you know, Canelo coming off a long layoff, uh, Kirkland coming off an extremely long layoff for more than a year. It, 
there's uh there's you know just the matchup itself gives you a certain level of excitement but the fact that it, it, it's what's at stake here for Canelo I think adds even more and that's really what we're looking at here because Let's face it, Rafe. I mean, Kirkland is the ultimate feast or famine type of performer. He's the ultimate <laughs> yeah. wild card where uh, just such a a maniac uh, brawler with such a grueling style. It's just it's so much fun for fans to watch, but you never know which version you're going to get of him. And the main reason because of that is sort of just how the crazy lifestyle that he appears to live where, you know, he's done some jail time. He's, he's been in trouble a lot. He's made uh, some really rough uh career business decisions which have taken him out of uh, certain big fights he was supposed to fight Canelo much earlier but but uh, scoffed at the payday that he was being offered and pulled out of that at the last minute uh, we've seen so, some crazy wackiness from him I and mean, we haven't seen him since December 2013 and that really fun six-round ball brawl with Glenn Tappy in Atlantic City, which I was lucky enough to be ringside for. He looked fantastic, but even in that, he was still walking into oncoming traffic in the first round. He got tattooed, just like he did when he overcame Alfredo Angulo in their famous brawl from Mexico. You never know what you're going to get from him, but you know it's going to be wild. And I, Rafe, I did get a chance to speak to his promoter, 50 Cent, the the, the rapper, extra, mogul extraordinaire of SMS Promotions, uh, just specifically asking about Kirkland the man. From what you've known, getting getting to know James, what is it about him that allows him to fight at a pace and a style that very few would be able to keep up with? You want to get the truth? You want the honest answer? Absolutely. He's crazy. <laughs> He's crazy. That's, that's exactly what it is. So you're going to get a chance to see the kind of show that you don't see all the time. You know what I mean? And I didn't think Rafe, uh, he said it, not me. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't doubt him. I mean, 50 knows, uh, he knows a few things. And the, the, the bigger, you know, who else often seems crazy and who won't be with James Kirkland is Ann Wolf, you know, the, the, the former boxer herself uh, and, and the, who's been training Kirkland for much of his career and, and is just, I guess you could say, the craziest taskmaster trainer <laughs> we've seen in recent years i mean or we were trade we were sending back back and forth youtube videos about a month ago of ann wolf like in a in like this homemade dungeon somewhere in texas with making forcing her fighters to like plank on the ground you know underneath her and then just walloping them with oh with, with uh with balls and I- like pushing it into them, throwing it down on them from over her head. And like these guys are screaming, whelping in pain. And she's just screaming. She's just yelling at them, like talking like pretty nasty smack to them. being like, you know, using uh, various, using, uh, you know, uh, anyway, using things we can't say here. Uh, And she, you know, we hear it in the corner when she's with Kirkland, when she's like, you know, I mean, the, the polite thing she says to him are like, you know, this is your destiny. And, you know, you've taken his soul. Now you've got to take his balls and all this stuff. (laughs) Mandingo. Yeah. Well, God, we can't even get into that. Yeah. I mean, James Kirkland's nickname is, uh, I don't even think we can say it. Um, uh, But like, well, she you uses know, she uh, uses intimidation and she as as a major factor in getting her fighters in shape. She also uses almost cru- you know cruel and punishment in the way she physically prepares them, but a lot of cruel and punishment intensity also in the way that she sort of talks down to them and demeans them. It's not a training camp for everybody. I mean, we've seen uh, you know HBO's done some interesting uh, features on her where the, she attaches a punching bag, a heavy bag, to to something on top of her pickup truck. So she has James Kirkland and other fighters stand in front of the pickup truck and hit the bag while. She She's driving the pickup truck, and if they don't move fast, 
enough while hitting the bag, you know, she'll hit them with the truck while she's driving. I mean, that's just a, a great example along with the, the medicine ball abuse that you mentioned before. It does something, though, to Kirkland when he do- goes through those training camps. And we've seen him, by the way, with and without her. And when he doesn't have her, he's not the same. And when he is with her and when he goes through that, not only is he uh, cardiovascularly and muscularly prepared in a way that I don't think any other athlete is for a fight, he is, she literally prepares them to kill. Like, you know, like this is not a metaphor. She prepares for them to go through war and to prepare to kill. And it puts a interesting uh, wrinkle on Kirkland where there's no true ceiling for him when he's in full on and wolf mode because there's very few people who can take what he provides the kind of constant pressure that he puts on not just physical not with the punches but with that mental pressure of this guy is not going to go away and even though you can hurt Kirkland early if you don't put him away, you are in trouble. And it's enticing to consider him what it would be like for him to do that against very elite fighters. Can he break them? That's, I think, why we have liked the potential of this matchup all along. And there's been people for years who have wanted Kirkland to fight Mayweather to sort of see how he would do under that kind of just intense pressure. But, alas, we're not going to see Kirkland against Wolf. I don't see how he po- – I mean, Kirkland with Wolf. I don't see how I can possibly recreate to get him to that level. He's such a wild card where I think he needed Ann Wolf's dungeon tactics to to get him to be the best he can be. Everyone obviously has much major doubts when they found out that he's going in a different direction. I'm not sure. It's tough to tell from when you ask people whether the dispute was over money or whether the, dis- the dispute was over Kirkland just not maybe not wanting to go to endure that anymore or maybe a, you know a, 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 the philosophy and everything that goes with that. But Rafe, do you have any sort of confidence that we can see Kirkland be as good as he can be without her? I'm not. I'm. I mean, do I? Would I count on it? Probably not. But I'm not. I'm not gonna say that there, he has no chance. I mean, like, there, he, it, they, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, that's, we never know. I mean, it, it, look, it's obviously better if he's training with with the person who gets the most out of him or who has gotten the most out of him. But, you know, maybe maybe his new trainer is going to pull some, like, water boy-style mind tricks with him and be like, you know, just imagine Ann Wolf's face on him screaming at you and, and tear him up, you know, and he'll just charge in and go, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Foosball. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you know, no, nah, I mean it's 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 it doesn't look good that he's not with, with Ann Wolf. But let's say let's say he does come out and we do see crazy Kirkland, like but just crazy Kirkland. Can what's Canelo gonna do in the face of that? How can he survive that kind of pressure? How can he, you know, say say he has to beat the best Kirkland? Can Canelo beat the best Kirkland? I think ultimately that's what we're tuning in to see. Because, look, let's be honest here. Canelo was falsely branded early on as this uh, rugged Mexican warrior. He's not. That doesn't mean he doesn't have warrior intangibles, but we don't know if he does yet, and that's what we want to find out. I mean, the real Canelo is is a, a patient, calculated counterpuncher, a guy who might not be quick, but he is pretty savvy. We've yet to really see Canelo in a brawl to see if he can fight toe-to-toe for a long period of time to, to find out where his heart and guts are. We thought we were going to get that against Angulo. Alas, <laughs> oh, I mean, did Angulo, not to, to, to use this joke twice in two weeks, but did Angulo take the black pill that, that Kirkland took against Carlos Molina because what happened to him that night? Uh, 
It was not the yeah, same was, guy. We had one round of action in the eighth, and that was great. A round of the year candidate, but that fight was very memorable. Uh, you know, not memorable. It was a, it was a, it was a very forgettable pay per view. We want to see what's going to happen if Canelo can do that. I, I love about Canelo, of course, that he dares to be great. He wants to take on the toughest challenges. We've already seen him against difficult boxers in Austin Trout and Arislandi Lara. Now we want to see him in a firefight. I love that he wants to give the fight the fans that. I love Oscar De La Hoya's uh, sort of. Uh, idea as a promoter to just keep putting on the best fights the fans can, you know, for his own to, to, to keep him, himself going, but also to keep, you know, giving these type of potential brawls. I think Canelo uh, is going to shine in this moment, actually. I think that the draw, obviously, is to see if he's going to be uncomfortable, if he can trade and take and give back. But when you really match up these two style-wise, even under the context of a brawl, Canelo's technique is just so much better that... Absolutely. I, it's really hard to not just, you know, the, think about him standing in there, but being able to slip a little and land hard counter shots. That's true. I guess there's that, you know, that one possibility that, you know, we Kirkland occasionally looks like he's so possessed and so strong and so, you know, has gone to whatever, you know, dark place that he that, and comes back with such insane, you know, in, intensity that he could take whatever Canelo throws at him and just keep like, you know, chomp, chomp, chomp and 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 throwing, you know, more fire back at Canelo. Uh, if that happens, and and I think that, you know, that's a that's a pretty out there scenario of how this fight would play out. But it, it, it's something that Kirkland, you know, there's a kernel of belief in what we've seen from Kirkland in the past that he could pull something crazy like that off. Um, but yeah, in a firefight, Canelo has a lot more weapons and a lot, uh, and, and is a great combination puncher. We've seen, I mean, he could, he could really pick apart Kirkland uh, and, and look great. Um, but again, this is, it's almost in that, if that happens, it almost turns into like one of those lose I wouldn't say lose-lose situations for Canelo, but one of those things where, in retrospect, the, as soon as the fight ends, we, we we flip around and we're like, wait, wait a minute, this is like the Angulo fight. Like, who did he beat here? This guy wasn't, you know, didn't bring anything at all, and Canelo just got the the non and wolf husk of James Kirkland and, and made him look bad, but who wouldn't, you know? Um, so, I mean, it, I, Canelo... You know, if he even if he looks great and makes quick work of Kirkland, I think he might not get as much credit as as uh, he would get if he were in if he if he survived uh, a sort of you know a, a very give and take uh, battle with him. That's a fair point. You know, he he may not end up getting in that regard. I mean, he is coming off of a layoff. I think it's still dangerous enough on paper, but at the very least, like we said, this is the potential setup fight for the middleweight title, him moving up in weight and challenging Miguel Cotto, which would be such a huge fight for boxing, by the way. Uh, that would be a, you know, a, a great way to wind down this year in the fall, which brings to the next topic on Canelo. You know, Mayweather and Pacquiao aren't going to be around for much longer, as we sort of got into before. How important is it that... Canelo becomes something that he sort of is the guy waiting to take that handoff. You know, maybe there's a, you know there's other guys maybe with some more potential, you know, as a fighter than than Canelo. But as the combination of being a good fighter with that marketability, uh, Rafe, is it is it so important that uh, that Canelo proves to us that he is who we might think he is, and that he can continue to be a, a giant pay per view draw? I you know I, I mean I confess I'm a I'm like a career you know. Canelo hater. I mean, whenever he becomes a, a huge, the, that, that level of pay-per-view star, they're going to have to come up with one of those nicknames for the kind of Canelo hater, like a can't, I, 
uh, Canader, and no, that doesn't work. Uh, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, look, man, I, I like. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see why anyone ever wants to root for this guy. He looks like such a jerk off. Um, oh, how dare you! Know, you? <laughs> And Come, I, you know, I mean, you said it, uh, Rob, but you don't mean it. Come on. I mean, it's getting harder to hold on to this uh, because he he has now fought a lot of really good fighters, and and even if uh, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't think that he he his decisions were quite as well earned as as uh, as the judges in some of his fights say, against Alison Trout or uh, or um, or even Arslandi Lara. True. Um, you know, he's fighting he's fighting guys who are at the top of the division and. Uh, being competitive with him and and uh, making a case for winning those fights, so he he's obviously you know he's shown uh, that that desire to be great, and it, it gets hard to keep hating a guy. But at the same time, you know he just you know they're, they're, you're you're never. Like, I'm sorry, like you know I, the, I, my favorite thing is what Floyd Mayweather said about him uh, it, when before their fight when he was when when Mayweather was like you know. I'd beat Miguel Cotto and Ricky Hatton. Canelo's beaten their brothers, you know, and that's been most of Canelo's career. He's beaten those kind of guys. He's got like, like names that aren't even names. Uh, and, you know, he's stepped up now and he'll probably will stay in that trajectory. I don't even know, uh, but I'm one of those, I'm a, I'm a truther in this case, man. I will, I, I have, I will always find a way to take a, a take away for, take credit away <laughs> from a Canelo win. So I'm looking forward to him you know, making quick work of James Kirkland. And then I will quickly, and then I can turn around and be like, yeah, but Kirkland wasn't bringing anything. Oh, come on, man. I mean, I'm sort of more in the middle because I did think that Canelo lost in close decisions to both Trout and Lara. But at the same time, I think he always makes up for any criticism by how willing he is to match himself big. And I think he's huge for the sport. If he goes into that, if he takes this Canelo fight, you know, and let's say he, I'm saying if he takes a Cotto fight and let's say he even wins that, He's the kind of guy who wouldn't be afraid to then go the next step and go against Golovkin and finally give Golovkin a true elite, you know, pay-per-view level matchup that we've been waiting for. I got nothing bad to say about Canelo. You know, I think the the onus is on him in a way, you know, as the the right now the chief number one Mexican star to be great and to consistently match himself great. And uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing if he can do that, you know, for the sport more than anything. Yeah, I see. I mean, I I feel like. The you know as the if he, you know he is that chief number one star uh, in Mexico right now and and the Mexican boxing fan populace is is probably the possibly the most uh, or maybe most important for the boxing business uh, or the most you know the one that the business certainly relies upon and counts on and, and courts and and he's captured it to a large extent uh, but at the same time you know he I feel like he's going to need some rival to rise up against him to to bring in you know to sort of make it a, a more international thing whether it's a puerto rican rival i mean in the short term like uh like like miguel Cotto to, to to play up that great historic rivalry um or you know or you know some other impressive fighter from you know from the states or from parts unknown man well i got uh, an idea he, that you know, they need to rise together well the, the one idea that'll blow up the bro zone layer is to tell your guy junior to, to, to suck down to 60, right? Re- repackage Chavez in a couple get well fights and then do that showdown at Azteca stadium. You down, you feel it, you feel it. I, that would be hilarious if it happened. I mean, how is he, how is that guy ever going to get to 160 again? It's not, I mean, it I will fight like... you at 162. I will fight you at 161. Yeah. Well, I get you. Oh, uh, I mean that would be awesome if it happened. I mean, the more you know, I, I hope that Chavez, the more we can see of Chavez doing Chavez things is, is 
good in my book. Do you see the um, Instagram shot of him in uh, in Clint in what's left of Clint Eastwood at ringside at the uh, Mayweather Pacquiao fight? Uh, I, I I missed that one. I, Memorable. You know, I, one thing about being all the way here on the other side of the world is it's harder to stay in touch with the uh, with the the day to day goings on in, in social media, which is both a blessing and a curse. I've missed it. I miss I miss our boy James Bag Jr. I might go check him out after we finish this podcast, man. Oh, he was Hall of Fame level this weekend. As was your guy Johnny Dang, who was ringside in uh, in Mayweather Pacquiao. I mean, the guy the guy gets around. Come on, damn, that's a that's quite a ticket that that, that Dang got his hands on. Oh. Well, picture right, him rolling, you know, picture him rolling in his five hundred Benz. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no doubt. Um, so uh, it sounds like we are close to. We sort of hinted at our predictions in uh, Canelo Kirk Canelo and Kirkland this Saturday. Um, you know, you want you want to put a point on it. Yeah, I think we're going to see uh, – I think it's going to be fun. I, I don't think we're going to end up seeing the Kirkland that we hope we're going to end up seeing. So I think we do get two to three rounds of Kirkland just putting on a maniac, maniacal pace. But unfortunately, for the entertainment value, you're going to see more of him getting picked apart. Because I think one thing that's understated on Canelo is his defense. People sometimes – uh, don't give him the credit because they because he's you know he doesn't have elite level hand speed and that's true, but statistically especially if you look at the CompuBox numbers his his defensive efficiency is incredible. I don't think he's going to leave himself in spots to get to get torn up. I think we do see you know little pockets of action, but I actually think Canelo stops Kirkland mid rounds and I think this is going to be a very big victory for him that launches him into the Cotto fight and continues to build that star toward what may be ahead down the road. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I would say at least in Canelo's defense, I'm all, I'm tempted to say, you know, that might be because he hasn't fought anyone who I really is a fighter. I mean, Austin Trout is a is a is a skilled guy, but not uh not really a guy who brings a lot of offensive heat. Uh Arislandi Lara is just sort of like so mercurial, you have no idea what he's you know, he's you know he's got talent and you wish that he used it more. Uh, he didn't, he definitely, you know, I mean, that's the, the, the knock on him in that fight against Canelo is that for all the times where he seemed to be out, out, out boxing him or could have outboxed him, he didn't, uh, he didn't press the fight in a way and land the punches that, that could have gotten him a clear decision. So I want to see uh, Canelo's defense hold up against some real firepower, and, and I hope that James Kirkland brings it, unfortunately, I don't expect that to happen this weekend. Uh, I think, uh, basically, like you said, I think that Kirkland, uh, that that Canelo gets Kirkland out of there in two rounds. Yeah, I, I could, I could. Wow, I could even see that happening too. But one thing, look, I, I like I said, I hope this leads to to Cotto Canelo. I hope that the one byproduct that comes off of Mayweather Pacquiao, like we talked before, is that people are more willing to make these marquee matchups than they were before. Because look, dude, it's time for us as a people to start making some changes, right? Change the way we eat, change the way we treat each other, because Rafe, the old way wasn't working. So it's on <laughs> us to do what we got to do to survive. Wow, man, that's deep. That's deep. I mean, it's, Very poetic, it's, right? Jeez, uh, where'd you come up with that? I was just effing around and nearly got a triple double right there. I mean, that was just all you know, the stream of conscience. <laughs> no, you, some... nailed you nailed it. You nailed it. Well, you know that'll do it, Rafe. We uh, successfully uh, unwrapped this uh, Mayweather Pacquiao fight of the century. Got you ready for Canelo Kirkland. So uh, back you go into the Philippines. Uh, any trips to Brochiman City coming up for you? 
Oh, no, I'm, I'm keeping it totally local, you know, getting, you know, going to a lot of PBA games, uh, the, the Philippine Basketball Association, uh, one of the funniest and most interesting basketball leagues in the world. Uh, just a, a, one of my, probably my favorite sporting event to go to at this point, uh, because I've gotten to know a lot of the players over the years. Um, you know, so I'm catching up with, with uh, some of my old friends out here and, and uh, you know, going to be trying to catch the fights on uh, Sunday mornings here in Manila. Well, I apologize if I don't keep the time change in mind as I as I you know reach out to you before you come home, and you're going to be like, "Who the f is this paging me at five forty six in the morning?" You know, Crack your, your 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 Taishan Dong picks are welcome anytime you want to. Oh, come on, you don't mean that. Well, enjoy the rest of your trip in the Philippines, Rafe. I'm, I'm sure when you return, you'll you'll have even more stories as we continue to ramp up the ropes and, and provide great analysis and even better guests. So, big things to come for sure. You bet, you bet, Brian. Uh, man, pretty, pretty impressive weekend. Uh, you know, it's been cool. Agreed, agreed. Well, you know, uh, special thanks to our producer, the, the man with the plan, Joe Fuentes. Special thanks to David Jacoby of the Grantland Network. And uh, follow us on Twitter, you know, at B. Campbell ESPN, at Rafe Bugs. Is there anything behind this, Rafe Bugs? What, what does this even mean, Rafe? Oh, you really want me to go there? I mean, look, it's a it's a high school nickname. Uh, it's, for whatever reason, my my friends on my high school basketball team took to calling me Rafe Boogie, uh, and uh, it, then then Rafe Boogs became my first uh, instant messenger uh, AOL screen name. And uh, you know, I've just kept it alive across platforms ever since. You know, I'm, I'm loyal. Like I have that loyalty to uh, to my high school self. Uh, that's that's an interesting interesting breakdown on the history of that. Why, why don't you take us out here? <laughs> you asked, dude. Uh, hey, like you said, we got to thank uh, Joe Fuentes, David Jacoby, so much uh, for producing us here in the Grantland Network. We thank everybody who listened, everybody who's followed this whole saga that began. The, the, the reason we started the ropes is to, to preview uh, Mayweather Pacquiao, and uh, we're looking forward to keeping it going. So please keep listening. Uh, go ahead on iTunes, subscribe, rate us. Uh, leave comments to all those things that, that help us rise in the rankings. And, uh, you know, like Brian said, reach out to us on Twitter and everything. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back soon. Peace, we out of here. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.